Blog Talk Radio. How's it going out there, guys? Welcome to this installment of the Diardo Show. It's the Brian and Brian's Brian Rosen, Brian Diardo, and uh, we got a full gauntlet of things to talk about. Uh, it's crazy. It's February, but there's man, there's lots, there's lots to talk about. Uh, Brian, man, what's going on with you in Denver? How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Hey guys, I know I was a curmudgeon last week. I'm not a curmudgeon now. I'm, I'm back to be myself, feeling good, excited. Uh, Cavs just crushed Indiana, the Pacers, in Indiana, which doesn't happen very often, no matter who you are. So that was cool. Uh, feeling good. Excited to uh, talk about a lot of things, and certainly your favorite sporting event of them all, what was once called the big game, the Super Bowl, and uh, an absolutely incredible performance by the great Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah, it man, it was it was uh it was interesting, you know, watching that game because I actually had to watch it, Brian, like a second time and you know I kept thinking, you know, was this is this the best Super Bowl ever? You know, I know a lot of people have kind of been saying that and it it's funny because you know, I thought that the my first thought was no, because it, it really wasn't a game until the fourth fourth quarter. It was like a blowout and honestly the game had kind of lost uh, it's interest, really. It was kind of like, you know, you, you got to the point where you honestly accepted that Atlanta was going to win, but I think that's just that's what makes the game great. And I asked my coworker, who's a Patriots writer and Patriots fan, I said, you know, I thought, honestly, the Seattle Super Bowl two years ago was the best one because of the opponent, how it was close the entire way. It came down to that crazy Malcolm Butler interception, and he was like, no, not even close. Like, this is it. This is it. This is the best one ever. I mean, it went into overtime. But to me, Brian, it, 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 you know, and I don't want to knock on that Super Bowl. It was a great game. It was an amazing game. And, and I, I want to say one thing. Like, I don't think Atlanta choked or collapsed like everybody's saying. Like, I mean, they threw haymakers. I mean, that was like a Mike Tyson assault. But as everybody knows, with this metaphor, Mike Tyson, you know, if, you, if he didn't knock you out early – a lot of times you would be able to outlast him, you know, as as the as the fight progressed. And you know, I just thought that Atlanta did everything but throw that final haymaker. They just they, you know, New England never let them throw that final haymaker. And when it comes down to it, I mean, New England is going to hit harder at the end. They're gonna they're gonna do borderline illegal things, and and, and that's how New England plays in these big games. Pittsburgh learned it two weeks ago because the one thing. The higher the stakes are in these games, the the less the refs throw flags. Like if you notice, Brian, like they called a couple of, of penalties late, especially one bad holding call against Atlanta, but it was a holding call. Like you had to call it. Other than that, the officials really enlarge let the teams play, and that that will always favor the more physical team. And if you notice, which I noticed unfortunately a few weeks prior, New England it, they're going to play physical, especially in these games when they know the refs. You know, the refs, the NFL's nightmare is one of these games comes down to a flag, uh, an official's decision. So, and the refs, the, the Patriots know it. And, you know, some people call them dirty for that. I don't. I mean, they just, they, 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 they might go, you know, right at that line of what's legal and what's not. But I don't really think they cross it. Um, and you saw, you saw a lot of Falcons get injured. And, I mean, they were in, Patriots ran 93 plays of the Falcons' 46 plays. Brian, I mean, the records in this game was unbelievable, um, but you know it. it it's funny because as a Steelers fan, and you know I know there are a lot of Steelers fans that 
were really upset when New England won because, you know, and, and Brian, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, well, I mean, we both went to Ohio State, so we can kind of relate here. You know, each fan base has an identity, no matter what it is. I mean, I think the Blue Jackets are learning theirs. They're still kind of a, obviously a young franchise. You know, the Cavaliers have theirs. Um, you know, every every identity, every franchise, every city has their identity. And the Steelers is, you know, we're, we have the most Super Bowl appearances. We have the most Lombardis. Our team, our coach, our quarterback, we won four more than anyone. Uh, and now some, that is being threatened. That is being threatened more than it's ever been threatened before. Um since I've been a Steelers fan, since I've been alive, now there's another team with five, uh, and they're they're coming for six. Uh, you know, uh, Belichick and Brady now have passed Bradshaw and Knowles' record of four quarterback coach combo, and then the easily the sold on the wounds is Bradshaw handing them the trophy. Not only accepted, like he was happy to do it, he was thrilled to do it. He was calling openly, you know, Belichick and Brady the best quarterback coach ever. You know, and it's. It was tough for Steelers fans to experience that, Brian. I'm not going to lie. And the, and the craziest part was the next day I, I was watching a uh, uh, video from a Patriots Super Bowl rally, and they're chanting, we want six, we want six. And it was like, I mean, for this Steelers team, I've never seen more pressure on a team going into a season than this 2016 team. And it's, But I think it's amazing, man. And it brings me back to the Cowboys and Niners in the 90s when, you know, the Cowboys – you know they they dominated the Niners. They they took the balance of power over to Dallas, and the Niners in '94 were like, we might not win this Super Bowl. We just can't let Dallas win it. And you know it, it's amazing. And I think for the Steelers, it's going to be an unbelievable year because you have a team now, like New England isn't done. Like they want six. Like they want to win six or seven if they can. Like that's what that's what Belichick and Brady are playing for, Brian. Like they're not playing for. Like, they don't want this Super Bowl to be their defining moment. Like, they don't. They want this to be another chapter, and that's the crazy thing. I mean, they're definitely running out of time. I mean, I would honestly say, man, they may have, like, maybe two or three years left. Uh, so, I mean, they know it. We know it. The Steelers probably have two or three years left with this nucleus. So, it's going to be interesting, man. But, but back to the Super Bowl. I mean, was this the best Super Bowl you've ever seen? I mean, I can't say it yet. I just can't. I don't, I don't know yet. What do I... you think? I'm 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 not sure either, but I will say that you gave me a lot to work with. But so I do kind of want, I I want to change it up and go backwards real quick, and then I'll get to touch on the Super Bowl. But I'm just going to say this, all right? Nothing but love. But on behalf of the Browns fan base, and I'm going to include the Lions. You know, I like the Lions, and I'm definitely going to include my friends, the Bills, Bills fans. Uh, we all would like to say to the Steeler Steelers Nation, tough. You know what? Uh, I, look, oh. <laughs> I, I get it that it's tough to accept. I understand that, you know, the, look, the Steelers' history is tremendous, going to be regardless. But they, there is no better coach quarterback combo, Brady and Belichick. It's just the reality. It's something you have to accept. Uh, they are, I know that it's frustrating to Steelers fans because they are dirty. Look, they are dirty, and you know what? The Steelers, to their credit, exception to Joey Porter, are not generally super dirty. You know, everyone's a little dirty, but they're not too bad. Um, right. Not, they're nasty, but they're not in, in that way. So, I don't know. I'm sorry, but the reality is it's, it's not, you're not going to get much sympathy from, uh, from me 
And well, no, some it, of those it, it, Brian, it's, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, it, it, you know, it's funny because, like, you, I'm actually okay with it because it's, it, like I said, it, 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 you know, it's funny because Dallas fans don't care. It's weird. Like, they don't care that New England won. Dallas likes to be relevant, Brian. I, I honestly believe that. They like being the story. They like, I mean, I think at some point they get frustrated if they keep going 13-3 and and losing in the second round and everything. But, like, Dallas looks at last season as a great success. And I, I don't think they're really, like, ring chasers anymore. Like, you know, their fan base. Like, they're, they're America's team. They know it. I mean, heck, I'm talking about them right now when I don't have any reason to. Um, I just think for the Steelers, and like you said, nobody should feel bad for the Steelers fans. I don't. It's just it's funny because the foundation has been shaken, and it, it's almost like, and this is kind of the sad thing about sports, but it's it's the truth, man. Like the more the years go by, like you know, Super Bowl ten was a great game, but no one gives part of my language. No one gives a shit because it was forty years ago. I do. <laughs> Most of us weren't alive for that. Most of the, half population wasn't alive, not more. Um, so I think that's the thing, but. I, I, you know, and I wanted to get on, touch on one of your points. Um, you're right. Belichick and Brady, uh, it is the best ever. Uh, I will say this, though. I think if, if Montana and, and uh, Bill Walsh had more time together, they would be regarded that way. But they only had 10 seasons together, which, you know, Walsh decided to retire after the 88 season, and then he I'm wasn't totally on the sidelines when the Niners won their – what's that? I'm totally fine with that. That's, that's right, the, but, but I, I do, you know, I I do think that Brady is the best, and and it's not that he is the best quarterback ever. He just plays the position better than any quarterback before. I don't know if that really makes sense. Like, you know, Marino had a no, better that arm. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, but that that, makes sense. I just I have no standpoint. beef with. Yeah, I have no I have no beef with with them. I really don't, and I think what they're doing. Is good for the NFL. It's forcing everyone to raise their game. I mean, the Steelers, I honestly believe, have the most talent in the NFL. Like, I really believe that, but they just don't have the team. They're not as strong as a team. And, I, you know, if there's one knock on Tomlin, it's, it's that, you know, they're not quite as buttoned up as Belichick's Patriots are. And just the execution, everybody knowing their role, um, everybody just following their role. Like, you know, you saw LeGarrette Blunt benched, really, in those situations at the goal line when James White is scoring, he didn't care. And I don't really care, you know, what – I mean, yeah, I know the Steelers fans hate him, but, you know, that unselfishness and all that, it really made the the Facebook Live stuff – it made all that stuff seem even worse. Like, man, like, look at New England. Like, there's no animosity. No one cares who's getting the glory. They're all just happy that they won. So, you know, for me – uh, it was a great Super Bowl. It was great. It, 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 for me, it takes a while to process for me to really say it was the greatest one I've seen. I think it was the most impactful one that I've seen just because, like we talked about, I mean, you know, you really can't argue that Belichick and Brady aren't the best. I mean, but I got to ask you this, Brian, like how much is the past, the Flategate stuff, th- does that compute into your mind at all or at this point? Like, there's really two ways of thought right now. I mean, Steeler fans won't accept it, Brian. They won't accept it. They won't forget the Flategate. Where are you with that? Because I know that you don't have a, quite as much skin in the game with the Patriots and everything. Like, you kind of can have more of an objective mind here. Like, does that play at all into the GOAT conversation, all that stuff with you? Uh, I would say it does a little bit. But, ultimately, 
it comes down to their ability to just find a way to win and think about the fact, you know, as a team-wise, in the Malcolm Butler play, yes, terrible call. We always talk about it. It bothers me. I talked about it in the last podcast. You know, should have ran to Marshawn Lynch. Would have won the Seattle Oh, Lynch. yeah. <laughs> you know? But we don't talk enough about how great a play it was by Malcolm Butler. You know? That's something that's deserving of credit. Unbelievable job. So this team, they just they're, – they're something. They find a way to win. And Tom Brady, yes, a lot of stuff had to happen. Atlanta you couldn't, couldn't provide the haymaker. But they also, they, they, to an extent, they choked because their coaching staff, Kyle Shanahan, not running, we all know. Uh, they were in a position they should have been up two possessions. Matt Bryant doesn't miss. And all they had to do was basically almost kneel, not obviously specifically kneel, but you know what I mean, that concept. They didn't need to do very much. Right. They just needed to be right. in a position to get up ten and two scores, and they didn't do it. So, but Tom Brady, the amount of the amount that Tom Brady had, let's not forget what is so crazy about this Super Bowl. Tom Brady is so great, and he was terrible for two quarters and any part of the third quarter. Terrible. Like, I, I never cannot remember seeing him play so bad in any situation. It was wild to, to see. Uh, but that's what the greats do. He got it together when needed to, put up the best quarter of his life, and you know, cemented that legacy. So, yes, the deflate case stuff, it, it makes me certainly respect him less, but at the end of the day, I don't see it as something that really – I don't believe their advantages are the reason they won the Super Bowl. But their advantage is taking advantage. You know, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's just greatness. They're just greatness personified. Uh, and I know that you want to touch on a little bit more the animosity between, you know, Pittsburgh and, you know, it, it's the Patriots. But overall, you, just, you, have to give them respect. you have to give them the respect and the kudos they deserve. They're unbelievable at what they do. They were able to, to get it done. There's no doubt, and I, and I think that, you know, the other thing which is kind of funny is that, you know, the, the Patriots and the Steelers play a lot of this. They have this. They at their core, they have the same uh, philosophy with football, especially on defense. Where, you know, and the Patriots have talked about. It. They said, you know, me, we we and the Steelers do the same thing. We try to take away the running game. And then we we put the, the you know we put the game in the hands of the opposing quarterback and then we tee off on him and that's what you saw in Super Bowl Fifty One. I mean their ability. I mean they gave up that long run at the start of the game, but after that their ability to lock down and adapt to their opponent's uh, running style and what they're trying to do, it's unbelievable. Like they're and that's what makes Belichick great and, and their teams great. Not just their determination, but and that's what makes Brady the best to me is that his team just plays for him. And I, I don't. I think it was Edelman maybe that said it after the game. I mean, someone said when you have Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan of the NFL of football, you always think you can win it. That to me is the ultimate sign of the best. I mean, and that's what I think is really disheartening for Ben when he's trying to give a pep talk after the divisional round game and, and AB's not even listening. I mean, to me, that's 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 the disconnect. That's the difference between the Steelers and the Patriots right there. Is that you know Brady has galvanized that entire team. He has. He, he has their pulse, 
And I think Bed has it for – I mean, I interviewed uh, Kobe Hamilton, one of the Steelers' more unheralded guys, and I asked him what his greatest moment of his rookie year was, or his first year with the Steelers. He said, not the game with touchdown against the Browns. Sorry, Brian. Not, not any of that stuff. He said, catching his first pass from Ben. He said, I'll take that to the grave, you know, catching a pass from a Hall of Famer. And, you know, obviously some of the younger Steelers are in awe of Ben like that, but not the whole team. And I think that's the difference between the Steelers and Patriots. And that's what makes Brady really great. Uh, and hopefully the Steelers get to that point with Ben. But yeah, but man, like you know, kind of the last things here on Super Bowl, and then let's, let's talk. Let's talk some Cavs here as we get rolling here on the DRO show with Brian Rosen and Brian Diardo. Um, you know, you know, I, I think it was experience. I think it was, like I said, I mean, Atlanta was so hot. They were so hot in that Packer game. I mean, they were they were on fire, and then they were on fire. You know, the first two three quarters of the Super Bowl. They, I mean, they ran out of gas, and they played the perfect football pretty much for seven quarters against two of the best four teams in the league. They just couldn't do it anymore. They just couldn't do it. Uh, you know, and, and I, I think I think that's the thing. It was just the endurance of the Patriots. Uh, obviously, some things went their way, but it was amazing. And, and, and you know, I don't know what you thought. The minute that they made the two-point conversion, I, I was like, well, this game's over, especially when it went to overtime. There was no drama anymore, you know? Like, you knew – you knew they were going to win, and uh, my hat's off to them. And, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, – th- I mean, it's really – the fact that they're not deciding to go out like this. Like, none of them are. Belichick's not. Brady's not. I mean, Belichick the next day in his press conference was like, yeah, we're five weeks behind in our draft preparation. <laughs> I mean, it's – they're already thinking about what they're going to do to defend it. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, um, I think that – as bad as the NFL has been with ratings, with all the concussion stuff, it, it couldn't be in a better situation given the situation that they're in. Uh, I think the football is, is – they're still king of the hill. They, they needed a big Super Bowl. Uh, the playoffs were awful and large, so they, they needed a good Super Bowl, and, and that's what they got. But, but man, uh, Brian, I have to say one thing as we talk NBA here. I was a Phil Jackson guy. You know, I would say – if I had to pick one team in the NBA to hitch my wagon on, it's the Lakers. Uh, it's, a, it's a disaster in New York. It's an absolute disaster. Um, and I say this with you because it, it does tie in with the, with the Cavs, obviously, the Carmelo stuff, and, and obviously Brian. And we'll talk about the Cavs and their winning, but I, I, I wanted your thoughts on this. Uh, LeBron kind of <laughs> – there's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> and he, you know, he, he's had some choice things to say about Phil. Phil said some nasty things now about Carmelo. It seems like they're just trying to get Carmelo out of town. Uh, what are your thoughts on LeBron kind of being – LeBron's like the face of the NBA now, not just how he's playing, but how he's carrying himself on and off the court. Um, what do you think about that? You know, I'd like your thoughts on that and, and uh, uh, how it correlates. I mean, do you think that LeBron was saying those things about Phil uh, to, to, to support his boy Carmelo? And, and what do you think about that whole situation? I mean, that was probably part of it, but he also said, you know, he mentioned LeBron and his posse, and he really, to LeBron and to anybody who values their friends, he was disrespected, and deservingly so, you know. No matter what your opinion is of of those guys, you know, guys like Maverick Carter and Rich Paul, they're very successful. So no one can can take that away from them. Rich Paul's doing it, you know, making a ton as an agent. You know, Maverick Carter has his head involved in everything, and, and generally you hear you know, pretty well-respected guy. So, you know what? He had justification for getting at Phil. And he, you know, he 
he is always will, you know, has been for a long time the face of the NBA and will, will should continue to be because he's the greatest. He's unbelievable. Uh, what an amazing night that he had the other night. Um, wow. Uh, such a, the, the shot that he had, he had a game of 17 assists, the most he's ever had, and hit the big shot, miracle wow. shot, to send the game into overtime against the Wizards. And then the Cavs with LeBron following out, following out 30 seconds, my Cleveland accent, uh, following out 30 seconds into overtime, you know, the Wizards thought it was over, and it wasn't. Because Kyrie Irving said, I am the most clutch player that there is in this league. And on the Cavs, despite the fact that I'm teammates with the greatest, uh, we're able to get it done. So, you know, getting back to your point in terms of, you know, LeBron and, and, and the attitude and what he's saying, I, I think that, He's saying what he wants to say, and he's entitled at this point, too. But he really, there hasn't been really anything I've been bothered by. Uh, calling out the team was a little much, but I, 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 as I said in the past, I think part of that was you've got to create drama. And now the Cavs are starting to come out of it, so the drama is starting to dissipate. And it's an absolutely beautiful thing to see it, to see it happen. Uh, but LeBron is entitled to say what he wants. He's at justification, and I you know, respect him and kind of like the fact that He's going at people. Charles Barkley was a great example. Charles Barkley ripped on him, and he came back twice as hard. Uh, that's that. That's what you do when you are the best at what you do. And I guess what comes out is you do what you want. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, unbelievable. I, I do want to say we're going to talk more Cavs, but I want to tease a little bit here. Uh, at the end of our podcast, uh, we're each going to kind of talk a little bit about a topic that isn't necessarily something the other one wants to talk about quite as much but that will, uh, will, is important to us individually. So we're going to do that at the end of today's show, the Yard Rose podcast, so you can look forward to that. But I don't know, wh- wh- what's your thoughts overall on, on LeBron and this, you know, mentality that, that he's taken? Well, real quick, man, it was sobering when I, for me to, to admit that, that the Phil experiment has failed. Like, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I'm a Phil guy. I've read all of his books. Uh, I do coach. I volunteer at a high school, the high school I went to, Pickering Central. And a lot of my coaching philosophy is based on Phil, and it, it doesn't work. <laughs> they lost again tonight. They, they fell apart late. It wasn't even that they fell apart. They're just not that good. Uh, they play with a little bit more fire tonight. They were on national TV. But it's it's sad, man. It's sad. Uh, it's also kind of sad, too, to see, honestly, that Phil – has kind of made LeBron, like it's weird, man. Like the Jordan Phil, like '90s Bulls, like they're not. I mean, they're, it's like him. Like they don't have a relationship with LeBron, and that bothers me. It would have been. It'd be cool because Jordan's still very much in the NBA. Like he's an owner. And I, I love, by the way. I guess if there's one thing you could say about Jordan and LeBron, I don't know if you heard the story, Brian, but uh, Golden State's owner, they were at an owners meeting in New York last week to, to hash some deals out. And all, all the owners went out, drank, and hang, hung out. And George, Jordan was there. And he looked at the, he looked at the Golden State owner and goes, "73 wins don't mean shit because <laughs> they didn't win the title." And all the owners just started true. laughing. It they didn't, true. It's Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? It's Michael Jordan. And the owner was like, "I love yep, Mike." He goes, right. "That was cold." And I loved <laughs> That's it. The truth. I, but isn't that great? <laughs> like Jordan was like, "Man, it doesn't mean shit." <laughs> And it doesn't. That's what. That's why. No matter what happens for the rest, and I'll let you get back to your point. But the rest of the Golden State Cleveland rivalry, no matter what happens, short of 
I suppose if the Warriors were to win 74, then maybe we can talk, but it ain't going to happen. <laughs> it is the Cavs, did the Cavs beat the best regular season team ever until there's a team that surpasses them? That's, that's the reality. And I don't think it's ever going to happen because I think that's one thing people learn is they were very healthy for all, all year for the most part, and they got some injuries, and obviously they were a little tired at the end. Maybe part of that was going for it to the extent they went for it. This year they still oh, there's no doubt. It, even though they, they have a few more losses. But that, you know, oh, I, 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 I love that Mike said that. Michael Jordan said that, and it's true. Because you don't play the game just to play, you know, as Herm Edwards said. You play to win, and ultimately you really play to win championships. So that's been for the Golden State Warriors. And if you're the Warriors, the players, there has to be that little bit of doubt, too, where you know, wow, we won a championship the first year against this team, but there was no Kyrie Irving and no Kevin Love, and those guys are both better than they've ever been, or at least Kevin Love since joining the Cavs. So, the Cavs, yeah, obviously with Kevin Durant, there's a lot we can discuss here, and we'll continue to discuss you know, the inevitable finals matchup. Uh, that team will always go down as a disappointment, and the Cavs will always go down, even though we're not respected enough because we're Cleveland, but will always and definitely should always go down as, you know, the best upset and a monumental effort to take down a team that was more dominant during the regular season than any team that ever laced them up. Yeah, I, I want to try to see if I can read you that quote, if I can, real quick. Uh, he said, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to get, he says, you know, the moment that kind of hurt me the most, this is the uh, Golden State owner talking. He goes, uh, Michael Jordan, people were drinking, having a good time and all that. But there was a moment when he said, you know, 73 don't mean shit. He did it. Michael Jordan did that. And I looked at him, and I just decided not to make a big deal of it. I said, you know, you're right. We didn't win it. We have to get better. Jordan was fantastic, and I'm not going to cross him, but that kind of hurt. Because <laughs> I, I think the initial question to him it. was, do you think we'll ever have a 73 banner or anything? And he's like, no, we didn't. We, Jordan was right. We didn't. I think they actually were, were thinking about it. But when the greatest player ever stares you down and is like, nah, that's not good enough. But I guess for LeBron, <laughs> that'll, that'll, be his, that'll be his closest compliment that he gets to Jordan. But I think Jordan's a competitor, and I think that, honestly, Jordan really isn't voice with anybody in the NBA, even Chris Paul and Carmelo, who are part of the Jordan brand. Like, you don't ever see them hanging out and carousing because Jordan wants to win. And he said it in a recent interview I watched. Uh, he said that, you know, he wants to win that seventh championship as an owner. And he said it will mean more to him than – as much, or if not more, than when he was a player. So I, Jordan, I think until That's Michael. until LeBron That's retires, I don't sure. think that him and Jordan will be boys. But back to more of just NBA. Um, you know, there. I, I think for the Cavs, there. The, the beauty of the Cavs is that they are such a good team, but they're not imperialist to having. Uh, Charles Oakley got in a fight uh, actually during the game, which is unbelievable. But <laughs> if you saw that, Brian, and the Knicks are a mess. But anyways. Yes, I do. Don't go through growing pains in the regular season, and I think that helps them so much. I mean, they're and you know they're going to bring in someone, but Kyle Korver had a big night, and you even said it, Brian. I think on one of our first podcasts, you said the Cavs, you know, they don't mind losing games to get their guys into, you know, warmed up and get them into the flow of the action. And you, you said specifically the Golden State game where they lost by thirty. They kept passing it to Korver to try to get him going, and. That stuff is paying off. And that shot against uh, the Wizards, great game, 
great environment. The Wizards had won. I think they had had one of the NBA's longest home winning streaks. The Cavs snapped it. Uh, and, and with the with Cleveland, you know, they definitely have that Shaq Kobe dynamic where LeBron is Shaq. He's the dominator. Not necessarily how they play, but just his presence. And Kyrie Kobe. And Kyrie loves being Kobe. And I think Kyrie knows that one day he will be the man. I, Brian, I'm still surprised that, that LeBron scores as much as he does. I still, and even though he doesn't score as much as he used to, he's still scoring a lot more than I thought he would be scoring at 32 years old. And he's better at 32 than Jordan was. And I still think Jordan is the best player I've ever seen. But LeBron is better. His physical abilities have not diminished at all. He picks and chooses his spots a lot more, no doubt. But you have to at his age. But he can, if he wants, he can, and I, I think you would agree, Brian, he can score 50 any night that he wants, and he knows it. He just chooses not to. Um, but I would pick them, I would say right now, uh, they are. They have reached the point where I feel very confident they can beat Golden State. Um, you know, I think one of our first podcasts, I wouldn't have said that, man. But but, and I don't know if you saw that. that you know, there's been friction. I mean, I saw Durant fighting with uh, with Green, I, I guess, on Sunday, and because of the Super Bowl, obviously, it was no one really talked about it that much. But I don't know, Brian. I mean, I'm going to hand it over to you here. But all, all I'm saying is this: the Cavs have their identity. They know what they are, and they're going to learn more, and they're going to get someone else. I don't know what that is going to be, whether it's Carmelo or what. They will get something else. I don't think Golden State knows truly who they are, and when the game's on the line, who's taking the shot? Is it, is it uh, Steph? Is, I think they want it to be Durant, and I think that's why they get mad. I think they want Durant to be the guy. I just don't know if he's ready for that. Yeah, that's a, because when you think of the alpha of the Thunder – even last year, previous years, it was about Westbrook. And Kevin right. Durant's incredible. Kevin Durant, I don't want to take anything away from Kevin Durant. He's one of the great players in the league. But I think that they're going to get it together, but that, that's fair. And, look, Bron has had great success in his career over KD and is obviously the better player. And that's something that has to factor in at least a little bit. Until you've defeated somebody, there's that doubt. And he's never won a championship before. So as great a player as he is, who knows? You know, does he play out of his mind? Is entirely possible, or does he also struggle at some point? Obviously, we're going to find out when it, when it's all said and done. But we don't know yet because he hasn't proven it, and that's something that is going to be exciting to see moving forward. But overall, they're going to be fine, and they're a great team. You know, they're, they're they'll do what they need to do to get where they need to go. But I'm. If you feel great about the Cavs, you, you know, talk about getting someone else. And obviously, they do have an open roster spot, and they do need to back a point guard. And hopefully, they'll get a big man as well, get rid of Birdman. But tonight, as we're recording this podcast, the Cavs are absolutely annihilating the Indiana Pacers tonight. Uh, you had 29 points for Kyle Corver on 8 of 9 from 3 and 10 of 12 from the field. So let's just focus on 8 of 9 from 3. And it's not wow. that the guy isn't capable of having nights like this because he is that. So no. if Corver starting to get comfortable, hopefully, and it's going to be hard to, to win this thing without getting a good contribution from JR. And I'm still optimistic that he will be able to do what he needs to do to get himself ready for the final series, which is when we're really going to need him. Um, but right now, you've got a lineup that LeBron, with, you know, with, with the way Kyrie – and Love is shooting 39%, and LeBron is shooting 37%. So you, his ability from three is great. Uh, you have Channing Fry, Kyle Korver, 
Amon Shepard's hurt, you know, a little banged up now, but you got him. Uh, not that you need to, but James Jones is sitting on the bench. He's incredible in that at, at shooting three. So, point being, among the guys that are really playing, they're part of the rotation. There, LeBron has never. I don't, and if you disagree, tell me. But I don't see how he possibly could disagree. LeBron's never been surrounded by this much shooting talent around him at all times. Between the starters and the bench, there's so much long-range power. I didn't mention Richard Jefferson. And even DeAndre Liggins is shooting decent, shooting around 36 37% from three, and he'll get his shots. So there's never been, you know, in my opinion. So you can touch on whatever you'd like that I talked about, but definitely, let, you know, if you disagree, you got to let me know. On that no, there's no, there's, no, there's no question that you're right, Brian. Bosch was the Heat's second best three point shooter uh, during that run a lot. I mean, especially near the end, like 13 and 14, LeBron would always swing it in the in the far corner to Bosch. I I know they closed out a net series in the second round in 14 during their kind of last hurrah there, and it was Bosch. But other than that, you had a Ray Allen, you know, near the end of his career. Ray Allen honestly was really not very good his last year uh, at all. He had a really good playoff run, and actually in the finals. He was the Heat's second-best player that year. They got just smashed by San Antonio the last one. It was LeBron and Ray Allen that really were – I mean, Ray Allen had a dunk in, in one of the – I think it was maybe game five at that point because they were getting blown out. They were trying anything they could. But, no, no. I mean, uh, Chalmers was terrible. Uh, well, I don't want to say terrible. I, I didn't like Chalmers, but he was so uh, you know inconsistent. And Wade obviously isn't a great three-point shooter. LeBron was just beginning to find his touch, but outside of LeBron, no, they weren't—they weren't a good three-point shooting team. Miami was not a good three-point shooting team. And honestly, isn't it funny how the NBA has changed just in three or four years? Uh, just in three or four years, how much the NBA has changed? Where uh, that team, Miami—that I mean, Cleveland would beat that Miami team. I mean, I'm convinced. I mean, I know they had Wade, they had Bosh. This team would win more athleticism, better shooting. Uh, you know, that team had Norris Cole. They had some athletic pieces. Um, but, no, I mean, this team, this – I mean, they had Miller. Again, Miller was a clutch three-point shooter, but he wasn't giving it to you consistently. This is – I think this is the best team LeBron's ever had, for sure. Uh, again, you know, it, it's it's hard when you don't have a guy like – I mean, Wade is a Hall of Famer. Irving's on his way, for sure. And I think that, in some ways, Irving, Irving's already as good as Wade ever ever was. Not the volume score, but he certainly could be if you asked him to. I mean, he's, he can score 30 whenever he wants. He had 29-9 on 22 shots. That's efficient. Over 50% shooting tonight. And he didn't even have a great shooting night. He was 0 for 5 from three-point land. But, uh, you know, the one thing about Irving, which I know this is a small thing, but this is, I think, where he's similar to Kobe. He, he, he maximizes uh, his, uh, you know, his faults. I mean, he's a great free-throw shooter, just like Kobe was. 5-5 five of five again tonight. Uh, LeBron – you know, had a good shooting night, 9 of 16. That's a LeBron James night. I mean, God, I mean, LeBron never shoots 20 shots anymore, Brian. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, he was plus 8. Love scores 14 points, 3 of 11 shooting, terrible night, plus 19. Uh, Thompson, only 6 points, uh, but he only shot 3 times. Thompson only had to shoot 3 times. He made all of them, and you're plus 19. Corver's giving you plus 14 off the bench. I mean, this team... And conversely, I mean, the night before, uh, Thompson had that many points in like a, a, a two-minute span or a one-minute span. There was like a, a sequence there where they looked at Thompson every time down the floor against Washington. And, and, you know, tonight as we're broadcasting on Monday, 
you know, this team, Brian, and I know I've been going on a little bit here, uh, you're 100% right. I mean, this is the, the best team they've had. They're playing with confidence. They had that losing streak. And the best part of that streak is, Brian, they still have a nice lead in, in the East. And I don't think you wanted to get too comfortable because I think you need to have that edge. But uh, I want to ask you this, though. And I, I agreed with everything you said. And I think LeBron has, has built this team exactly the way he wants it. But uh, Dan Levitard said something on his radio show today, and I had to ask you this. He said that LeBron James is the first player, head coach, general manager, and president in NBA history. He said that LeBron has more power than any athlete has ever had. I mean, do you agree with that statement? I mean, I know that's a pretty heavy, loaded question, but I agree with him. I I have to say that it's tough for me because I really don't like ESPN. I'm not a fan of his. So it's really hard for me to, to react back. I, I will say this, first of all, that it's incredibly disrespectful to, to you know, play Ty Lue because LeBron is so hard to coach. A great player, maybe the hardest player to ever coach. Let's be honest about it. And David Griffin has done everything you could ask for, did an incredible job. And Dan Gilbert's opened up his pocketbook. Mickey Harrison didn't to this extent even. So point being, there are a ton of people that are very deserving that have done everything to help this. So I guess, yeah, I guess hopefully I'm saying, no, I don't agree. But what I will say is, Yes, ultimately LeBron, the contract is structured a certain way. He's more mature, but it's no different than the first time. Ultimately, he does control everything because he can leave. He's allowed to leave. Yep. <laughs> so yep. that's the players control this league. That's the way things are now. So from a historical perspective, I don't really care if I have that argument LeBron wants to have because the way things have been lately, ever since the rules changed, and the Celtics started it, bear in mind, with PS. Yeah. Uh, you know, being joined by Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen from other teams. Uh, so, to me, I think, yes, LeBron has, has tremendous power, but it's disrespectful to take away from the other pieces that did such a great job getting everyone here. And you can't discount – I mean, Gilbert at this point, even to bring in a backup point guard, this doesn't even be someone that, somebody that good, it's going to kill him in luxury tax. He has to pay so much extra money, and, you know, this payroll is, is ridiculous. So everyone has done so much. Yes, LeBron has the most power, and he should because he's the greatest, and that's the way the league is structured with a salary cap. Uh, and, and he feels like he can, can do what he wants, and he, he can. End of story. Hey, one more thing with the Cavs, and then I'm going to give it back to you for the final word, and if – I know you want to talk about the, 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 the Browns ticket situation and news from the Indians. So we'll wrap up the NBA, Brian. I'll hand it to you, and you can take it either way you want, uh, baseball or football. But uh, I agree. I don't want to knock on Ty Lue at all. I, I just think that LeBron has had more influence in decision-making with the franchise than any other athlete ever before him. And, and again, no knock on Ty Lue because I agree with you. Like He's the perfect coach for this team. Griffin has been a great general manager, and the owner has done a great job too. But I, I, without knocking them, I, I, I do agree that, LeBron is the most influential athlete to his franchise ever. He's, he could be, he definitely should be the MVP this year of his team. I, I, and should be, he could have, should have been the MVP last year. I mean, every year so far he's been back to Cleveland, he, he could have won it. And, you know, this is my favorite version of LeBron. All of his seasons and everything, uh, you know, this is easily my, my favorite one. And, and, you know, when I saw him make that shot against Washington, I thought one thing that, you know, he's comfortable with himself, man. Like, 
he has achieved he knows it like his rec, his like you said earlier when we we talked Cleveland uh you know earlier in the year or this podcast like his legacy's already built he beat the 73 win team he led Cleveland to a championship he came back and and did all these things and and, and it's he delivered man like he delivered and I know he wants to win more I, I know Cleveland fan want, fans want him to win more I think he will win more but he is a person that's completely comfortable with himself and I think that is letting him do what he's doing on the court. He is just—he's not worried about failing anymore. He's not afraid to fail, and I think that that right now is one of his greatest strengths. But uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you, and then you know, I'll let you answer, and then you take it from where you want to go from here, man. I think there's still more pressure on Golden State to win this championship than Cleveland because I still think Cleveland fans or, or NBA fans look at Cleveland and say, you know, they pulled off the improbable last year. But Golden State's still a better team. Golden State should still win it this year, especially with Durant. And I still think there's more pressure on them. And if Cleveland doesn't win it, LeBron will be upset. He won't care, but from the outside. And I love it. It's always good to be the underdog, buddy. So if you want to, you know, chew on that one, and then I'll let you uh, take the reins, man. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. That's definitely very interesting. I... Hmm. Well, let's you know what? Let's see how it plays out. I'm fine with the underdog notion because I also get this. You, have, you look at the reality of having the players that they have, having four guys that are as impactful with, in some cases, multiple things, and Draymond Green defensively and intensity-wise, what he's able to bring. But, you know, Clay Thompson, his shooting, and obviously Steph and, and KD. I, look, I'm fine with that. John Livingston is also – tremendous off the bench. And Andre Iguodala was the MVP of the finals two years ago. So I'm fine with the notion of the, that they should be the underdog. Totally fine with it. Uh, but I think that there's, there's the pressures on Durant. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that, yeah, the Warriors probably, I having not thought about stuff. So I'm at, yeah, they, there's more pressure on them, but I think it's Kevin Durant specifically has all the pressure in the world. He's the guy who is going to be blamed if they don't get it done more so than anybody else. Do you agree with that? Yeah, man, I do. I think the thing is with, with, uh, with Golden State, man, I just think that, that it reminds me kind of a lot of the – I just don't think it's, it's, it's organic, man. You have so many guys that do kind of the same thing. I mean, Curry is a volume scorer. Kirk likes to score in volume. That's what he is. And that's why I don't think Golden – I've never really talked to anybody about this. That's why I don't think Golden State does well in the finals. Even though they beat Cleveland in 15, they didn't play that well for most of that series. I think their biggest thing is, like, Curry's a volume scorer. Thompson's a volume scorer. The only guy I don't think is a volume scorer on that team is Green. I think Green is, is kind of fine where he is. He's not a volume scorer. Durant obviously is not quite as much because I know him and Westbrook shared around, but I mean, I'm watching them right now, Brian. I mean, they're beating Chicago by 17. It's the worst 17 point lead I've ever seen. They look disinterested. It looks so forced. Like, all right, let's have this guy. It's almost like every possession. They're to trying be to fair, get someone though, else involved. I, I do want to, I, wanna, I got a, just, just one point on this though to make, just, just to be fair. I'm not trying to call you on just, just to be fair. Sure. Um, Bulls though, do not have Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade playing tonight. So, that's oh, I know. I'm not even honestly. I'm not even looking at their opponent. Yeah. I'm just watching how they're playing offense. Like, 
So yeah, I, I agree. Like Chicago sucks. They're not good, but but I'm but honestly just ha- looking yeah. at how they're playing. Not even focused on Chicago because Chicago is oblivious to me. They seriously just look like they're a bunch of people that like it's like an equal opportunity offense where it's like they don't want to step on each other's toes. You can definitely tell there's just not something right with Golden State. And I know I'm way overanalyzing. They have a million wins. They're going to get the number one seed probably. Um, I don't know if it's def- necessarily a lock anymore. It probably is, but but I wouldn't say it's a lock that they're going to have the number one seed. But, you know, I don't know, man. I, I just think that they're not built organically the correct way, like, like Cleveland is. I just think in Cleveland, they know their rules, and they don't care about scoring, and they want to win. Like LeBron, I guarantee if they won a championship and they told LeBron, you're going to score eight points a night and you're going to get like 20 assists, he'd be like, done. done. He doesn't. He knows now. He knows it's about rings. He knows. As long as he's still one of the best, if not the best, he knows. If Kyrie wins the finals MVP, that doesn't do anything to LeBron's legacy, in my opinion. Who cares? Like, Steph Curry hasn't won a single finals MVP yet. He hasn't won any. He didn't win it. Iguodala won it in 15. So, you know, LeBron knows. And I think, I mean, think about it, man. Like, like Durant still doesn't have a championship. He's LeBron James five years ago. Obviously not quite as good, but, but he has one finals loss on his resume. He's, a, he's the same age LeBron was when he won his first. They're five years apart, I believe. Um, so he, he's right where LeBron James was. And now he's on a team with all of the superstars, except for, like, the guys in Cleveland and a couple other players scattered along, you know, amongst the league. There's so much pressure on them, Brian. Not that there's not on Cleveland. Like, they want to win it. But the pressure in Golden State, and I, I, I really do believe, man, the Cavs are still in their heads. I, I believe it, man. They, they are. And the Cavs have to go through these growing pains, um, during, like, like we've talked about at length during this podcast. But I think that, again, I, I, there's nothing, there's no reason not to feel confident about this team. And, and the fact that they haven't had J.R. Smith, uh, they didn't have Shumpert tonight, who was injured. Um, you know, I don't. It's not a. It's not a major one. He'll be fine, I think. But he's a quick healer. But they're only going to get better. Uh, I think it's a. It's an. It's a. It's a, an amazing time to be a Cavaliers fan. It's an amazing time, and that's what I told you when they won the championship. And we did a, an, an old podcast, my old format, a year ago. Uh, I told you, you know, enjoy the ride, and uh, this is when it gets fun, man. So. You know, and, and I think Boston's going to be good. Uh, you know, I think that, that the new Isaiah Thomas is a good player. Um, they're a little dirty. I, I think they play. I think they definitely tried to play dirty when Cleveland swept them back then. But back then they weren't as good as nearly as good as Cleveland, and they knew it. So they kind of had to dirty up the series. I don't expect them to do it again. Uh, but I, I just I don't even think the Cavs are going to be challenged much in, in, in the East. I think you know I think they'll take care of business again. Maybe only lose three or four games at most. And they'll be back in the finals. That all sounds good to me. It all sounds uh, pretty good. I, uh, there, there's, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so exciting. I think uh, you gave me a really nice segue into one of the things I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, you the excitement and how great the Cavs are. It's it's really crazy. I was talking to you know one of my best friends um, and about this and we talk about it a lot it is so special right now in cleveland you have to just uh, really sit back and just say wow you know the indians are all in the Cavs are all in regardless of where the roster is now it'll it'll be there when it, where it needs to be 
more so than I, ever. I mean, really, or, or, or as much as ever, certainly, for the Indians' case. Uh, it's really cool to see. i got to give the Dolans a ton of credit. They are really going and spending a lot, and it, it's really, really neat. Obviously, Edwin Carnacion didn't talk too much about that on here. That was the best gift that, you know, you could get. For me, Hanukkah gift. For someone else, Christmas gift. He's tremendous, great power hitter, but also a really, really, really solid. He, he strikes out, but not as much as he should relative to the amount of power, especially when you consider other power hitters in the league. So to have him, he was the, the, the best guy that was available along with Ioannis Cespedes. And I would, I don't know who I would take. I probably would take Edwin because of the years. Ioannis has been huge for the Mets. He's really been tremendous since he's went there. So I don't want to take anything away from him, but it doesn't matter. What really matters is the guy was amazing to be able to bring Edwin Encarnacion here. And you figure, okay, well, I mean, that, that's that, but that's fine. No, no complaints. You know, sign some guys to minor league deals. And then they go out and, you know, at the beginning of the offseason, I was, you know, we all kind of want a second left-hander. They really had to use Miller a lot. And, you know, he didn't pitch his the way he usually does in game seven. And who's to say that it wouldn't have happened anyway, but maybe it doesn't if there's a Boone Logan. And they did that. Uh, here in Colorado, Boone Logan had his best season of his career last year. And actually his uh, batting average against is lower than what Andrew Miller's is by a couple of points, which is insane how, considering how great Andrew Miller was. But Boone Logan in a terrible place to have to pitch where the ball flies out, you know, play, truly a playground, at Coors Field in Colorado and Denver, he was amazing. He was lights out. And came up with the White Sox. I'd seen him for a while. The Indians early on in his career did well against him, but that's to be expected for any young pitcher. So there's definitely a, a, a true talent that's there. Uh, so the number one left-handed reliever, which is the biggest need outside of power hitter, and the Indians lose Napoli, who was great, but this brings in someone who's better much better. So you think about where the Indians are. You think about the Cavs definitely going to the NBA finals. So we'll see if they can get four of seven and bring it, you know, back to back and really put a hurting and, and become, put their stamp on approval, at least at this moment in time on a rivalry that's not going to end after the season, regardless if it's the Warriors or the Cavs that win it. Um, that and even, even if by some miracle, the Spurs beat the Warriors, and then they beat the Cavs. So we'll throw them in there. But it's still, this rivalry is going to continue. And that is special to be a part of that. And what happened last year will always be amazing. And what you want more than anything is when you lose, you always talk about, well, what's next? That's, as any sports fan, you want that more than anything. And we have that with, with, with these two teams. It's It's unbelievable. Now, I don't want to be negative, but I do want to, finish off my portion of the show before you, you know, put a bow on this for us, Brian. Uh, I do want to mention one thing. I think it's, it's, it's very important. Uh, we have a really funny situation going on right now where the Browns lowered season ticket costs, which is not funny. It's what you think you would, would, they should do, right? But there was a lot of people who, in, a, in some, some articles written, like very positive articles about like good for the Browns. Like, they're recognizing it and complimenting Haslam for understanding and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there laughing. And you and I, we love to talk about sports and women, of course, uh, though you only talk about your lovely girlfriend because I'm not going to throw you under the bus. Uh, and I'm just kidding. But 
we talk about food. We love food. There's that mutual, you know, love of food. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable, right? It, it's unbelievable. Think about this, this analogy. You've got a restaurant owner, and he serves mediocre food, mediocre at best food, and charges a lot of money for it. People are not going to necessarily be happy about that, and they shouldn't be because if, if you're serving basically crap and it's expensive, why would anyone be happy about that? So let's pretend now that this owner wises up and lowers the cost of his food. Are people going to be clapping for him and sharing for him? Hey, great decision. It's the right decision, yes. But no, you're going to be like, your, your food still sucks. The Browns product is still currently terrible. So I actually have some optimism about Hugh Jackson. I feel pretty good about some of the potential of where we may be moving forward. But the idea that anybody could have a reaction, like good for the Browns, I mean, they have to lower ticket prices. I don't know what they lowered. I don't care. They should lower it much more. I, I've been quoted as saying 20 bucks is what, what it costs. And that's you have to pay me twenty dollars to go to a Browns game. I need at least twenty dollars and probably some beer too, uh, you know. But all, all kidding aside, yeah, you have to lower season ticket prices when you're off. When you're one in fifteen, right? I will say that I'm excited about Greg Williams, excited about some of the potential here, and I think Hugh Jackson is as close to the right guy as you're going to get. Is it going to be enough for for this team to get it done? I don't know. I'd like to think so, that, that, that eventually it'll, it'll get going. Not going to stress it. But it doesn't take away, Brian, from the big picture. I'll just end on this note. It is amazing to be a Cleveland fan. It's always amazing to be a Buckeye. A Cleveland Buckeye, nice, uh, nice deal there. But between Ohio State football, the, the, the Indians, and the Cavs, you know, I go into next season thinking I got a legit shot. And in two of those cases, believing, hey, I'm probably the second best or the best team. Cubs, better than the Indians. And if you want to say the Warriors are better than the Cavs, whoever, it doesn't matter. Fine. So, it'll, at worst, the second best chance. And I'll take my chances with uh, this offense that, that Ohio State's about to have. Kevin Wilson's incredible. He's a ridiculously great coach. And I can't believe that, you know, Indiana, it sounds like they had their reasons. He didn't do things he should have. But from a, just a pure offensive perspective, Kevin Wilson, you know, what he's going to bring in is going to be amazing. you got uh, Day as well. I think I don't remember his first name, but uh, the, the, the new, you know, new guy who's going to help with quarterbacks and another offensive coordinator who worked under Chip Kelly, and we know what he's been able to do. So all good stuff. Great to be a Clevelander. Great to be a Buckeye. And, uh, Brian, why don't you, uh, you take us home after that uh, very long Rosen's rumbling. It was fantastic, man. Great show. Great show tonight. And, uh, you know, it was funny because before we went on, we said, let's just, let's just talk. Let's talk and see where the conversation goes. And it, it mostly stuck with uh, the NBA, which I loved because there was a lot, lot to digest there. But, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll just kind of go with this. You know, you kind of gave us a little synopsis of, of how you're a sports fan. Uh, this is my favorite time of the year, to be honest with you, as a sports fan. You know, you're getting to where – the NBA means something, uh, and we didn't talk a lot at all, actually, about the NHL, uh, so I guess I'll finish it there. There's a serious opportunity for the Blue Jackets and Penguins to play each other in the postseason, and I've been in denial about it. I keep saying that it won't happen, but right now, uh, both teams are on an even keel. I mean, they both – I mean, obviously, Columbus had that improbable 16-game winning streak, 
But uh, Pittsburgh has bookended that with a good run of their own, and both teams are, like, deadlocked right now in the standings right by Washington. And the, 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 the uh, uh, you know, the, the way the NHL does their playoff seedings are, are really stupid. And, you know, you're going to have two teams, Columbus and Pittsburgh, that could be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, probably playing in the first round. So it'll be tough. I live in Columbus. Uh, I cheer for the Blue Jackets whenever they don't play Pittsburgh, but whenever they play, I unequivocally cheer for Pittsburgh. Uh, it'll be very, very interesting, and uh, we'll have a lot, a lot more uh, NBA, you know, NHL talk and in, in, in future podcasts. But uh, Blue Jackets have weathered the storm, and they really didn't have a storm. I mean, after the winning streak, you, you knew they were going to go through some rough patches. The, a big win in Detroit, and I think, Brian, you agree, anytime you win in that state up north, whether it's football, hockey, anything, college basketball, it's a, it's a great win. So, you know, the Blue Jackets are doing it. Almost They're getting definitely. other teams' best shots. And, and they're delivering, man. So I think there's a lot to look forward to uh, for Cleveland uh, fans, Pittsburgh fans, and Columbus Blue Jacket fans. There's a lot to look forward to. And we hope you enjoy this podcast. And, and you got to stay tuned for our future ones because as the weeks roll along, there's going to be even more to talk about as the stakes get higher in every respective sport. So for Brian, this is Brian signing off. It's always a great day to be a sports fan, and it's always a great day to be a fan of the Diardro Show. Peace.